You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. We are in a series where we're, we're just plowing through Philippians, and so we started out last week, and we looked at Philippians 1 last week. We're going to look at Philippians 2 today, and this book is really fun because this is Paul mentioning the idea of joy or rejoice 16 times where he references joy. And it's this idea of supernatural joy. It's a kind of, of, of focus on Jesus that doesn't change because of circumstance, but because of who Jesus is, there is, and I'm calling it unspeakable joy. It does not make sense. It is a supernatural work of God. And so in last week, we talked about, through, went through Philippians 1, and, and really when you get to Philippians 2, this is, this, is, this is kind of the crown jewel moment. I mean, when I read Philippians, chapter 2 right here, most of you are, may be familiar with it, but it's this famous moment where, where you can sense Paul kind of retelling the story of Jesus. And really, it's the famous text about the incarnation when God becomes man. But it's just beautiful, and it's essentially calling us to follow Jesus example and be servants. And so I want to talk about that idea today. And if you remember, this is Paul writing to a church that he deeply loved. Um, and back in Acts chapter 16, you remember the story of Paul and Silas where they're in prison and they're worshiping God, uh-uh, longer than 90 minutes. Uh, ha! Uh, sorry. That's so mean, isn't it? That's like a preacher dig right there. Um, please forgive me of that. Anyway, and so they're worshiping and at midnight, uh, at midnight, all of a sudden, there's the earthquake, and they're set free. And, and so Paul had uh, this deep love for this church that he's writing to in the city of Philippi. And so that's the context of this church. I want to uh, go ahead and read out of chapter 2. And it says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And then here we go. This is hard. Just here we go. Just take this in. This is just the Bible. Here we go. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. All right. See you later. All right. Here we go. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he, same word again, humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Then the therefore, therefore, because of that, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God, the Father. That's a text. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we thank you 
for Jesus. Jesus has changed our lives. Jesus is our example. Jesus loved us first. Jesus is the reason that we gather. Jesus unites us. And, and, and so what we have in common, even more than that we all live in this city or even more than, than our age or anything about the thing that is most crucial to us, we're, we're, we're one in Christ. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us. God, just, just help us. We, we come with so much on our plates and, and this idea of humility and serving. Lord, help, help us live it. It's, it's something that's so foreign to our culture and something that so rubs against our flesh in a way that we, we wanna exalt ourselves. And we just ask that you'd help us, God. We need divine help to actually live this. Let it, let it jump off the page in a way that we live it. We honor you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have you ever met somebody that embodied this kind of humility? Obviously, no one is ever as humble as Jesus. And there is no servant as great as the suffering servant, Jesus. But sometimes you meet people where their life embodies they've been with Jesus. And as a result of being with Jesus, you see humble service in their lives. I know for me, one of the moments where I saw it uh, for, for 15 years, I, I put on this youth conference in Colorado. And, and because of that, uh, it started with just, just prayer meetings and some of the local team where we just gathered together and invited kids to come. And, and, and it was awesome. But as the years went on, we started inviting some guests and guest speakers and, and guest bands. And that was really fun. But one of the things that, that blew my mind was... Um, one time we had this, this worship leader come and, and he was on the radio. He was making, back in those days, they called them CDs. And he, he had famous CDs and I would play his CDs in my car. And honestly, uh, because I sat in that role, I got to pick the worship leaders. And so I would always come to the table with these like obscure people. And then my team would be like, nah, we gotta have so-and-so. And I'm like, what are they, are, are they saved? You know, like, so I, I, I but... But this guy, this guy was like, like I would, I would just play his record over and over again, record, CD, album, <laughs> download, whatever. I would, I would listen to it when I would journal, when I pray. And he, so, so there's something where I just, I really liked him, you know? And so most of the time when they'd come in, we'd get this little piece of paper where we'd say what we have to provide. And so it'd say, hey, you gotta provide, uh, you gotta provide bottled water, you know, at room temperature and I need green M&Ms and, you know, I need, I mean, it was, it was kind of long. It was this list of kind of what, what these bands would want if they were gonna come to our event. And so I was kind of used to that. That's kind of just the culture. And we'd say, yeah, we can, we, can, we can check all 10 boxes. We'll give you exactly what you need. And, and so, you know, I kind of got used to that in order for them to come. And uh, and so this guy comes along and I'm just in that vein. I'm thinking he's gonna be like everybody else. And so he comes in, he's got his band. And, and, I, and I fell in love with him when I met him because we were just eyeball to eyeball, like he was my size. And I was just like, favor of the Lord is on you. You know, I just, <laughs> mm, just there's something about you. It's just, I can't, t well, I know exactly what it is. It's the Lord. And so uh, I just, you know, I liked him and, and he led this worship set. So he was leading a morning session. Then we had a lunch break and then he was leading an, an afternoon session. And then he was catching a flight out that evening and uh, with his band. And so just, he led a great set and it was awesome. And, and we had prepared this, this room for he and his, his band to have lunch. And so I went into the green room to go talk to them and they weren't there. 
And uh, so we had, you know, all this food set out for them and they weren't there. And so I just, I just began to, to just walk and I wasn't even looking for them. I just assumed they had left. But I walk out and you gotta imagine, this is in, in that time, probably, you know, one of the top few guys on the radio. And I look over, you know, it's a big gargantuan building with these big high windows. And I see this worship leader and uh, he is on a ladder and he is washing windows with one of the hospitality people at the church. And um, so <laughs> I look at him and I go, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, hey, David, this is, and he said the hospitality worker's name. And he said, uh, you should know him. He works here. And, uh, and I was, felt convicted. I was like, what's up, brother? You know how you doing? And, and, uh, and then I said, hey, man, we got a lunch for you. And he was like, oh, you know what? If it's all right, he's like, I'm just going to hang here with, he said his name. I'm just going to hang here with him. And, and <laughs> I just, I'm going I'm to do these windows here during my lunch break. And I just, I just, something about it. I mean, even bring it up. I'm like, man, I just, it hit me. I was like, there was, there's something that, that in that moment, and I know it's simple, it's just a freeze frame, and I know that it's, we got a lot of people doing a lot more things than that, but there was something about, he, he's on the radio and everybody knows his name and there's pictures of him and, and the temptation for someone like that is to say, hey, I, I want more than what you gave me and I, I, need, I need better, but instead, he's washing the windows. And so I, I, I ended up like, coming back after the, during the dinner break and he was still there. They had a late night flight that night and, and I'm, I'm walking in from the dinner break and I'd gone out with some other youth pastors and I walk in and the same guy is next to a broken down old bus with a bunch of middle school students doing this game where he's going, wah, wah. And I walked over and go, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, and he tells me the names of each one of the kids. They're from Laka Laka Laka, Arkansas. You know, I don't remember where. And, and, and he's like, I just, no, I just thought, it's, I just, I just want to, I just want to hang with these kids, you know, get the vibe, you know. And, and I just, something about it where I just, I saw personified someone who, truth be told, in our culture, especially in Christian subculture, you know, is elevated and just took those little windows, the lunch break, the dinner break, instead of trying to go higher, instead of trying to, hey, let me just be honored, chose to go low, chose to, to, to put others above himself. And so look for who could I help? Who are the people there? And just happened to be walking by the guys washing windows and let me help. Just happened to be walking in and saw a youth group that's screaming his name and just thought he'd spend dinner with them. And so instead of eating steak in the back room with the band, he's eating Little Caesar's cheese pizza in the parking lot, you know, and just hanging with them. And it's this dip, you know, it's like, it's so high and it goes so low. And when we read about Jesus, Philippians 2 is the beautiful story where Paul is summarizing. He's saying there is the God of the universe who is existed eternity past and he takes steps to go lower. He, he becomes a man. And when we, read, when we read the story of Jesus, we know he continues to go lower and lower and lower. Jesus, born in a stable. God, I mean, leaves the environments where there's the perpetual worship, 
creatures around the throne to become man. And then it's more humble still where it's into a stable. And, and then we see Jesus as he demonstrates to us what it means to be a servant, where he's always got people on his mind. And so we watch when he steps into ministry and Jesus is looking and he sees the blind man or he sees and heals the leper or he helps the crippled man. And he's trying to get underneath and trying to help make others better, get underneath and serve and value others above himself. Value others' needs hurts above his own needs. And this caring, humble servant is our example. And then when we see in verse nine of Philippians, Paul takes it up where he goes, therefore God has exalted him to the highest place that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Going, there is a day where, I mean, all (laughs) Jesus back in exaltation. And when we see in, Big word, incarnation, God becoming man. We see Jesus, the servant, who's trying to just go lower, lower, lower. And so for you today, as we try to take this Philippians 2 text, we're really, all of Philippians kind of centers around this story because really what, what Paul's saying here is he's going, let me tell you about Jesus. And in verse five, he says, I want you to have the same attitude, or he says the word mindset. I want you to have the same attitude, the same mindset as Jesus. I want you to see his example, study his example, watch the way that he voluntarily went low to help others go high, to help, get underneath and help them out. He's saying, that's, that's the example I want you to get, I want you to see. And when we see Jesus' example, It's this dip because the incarnation is that he went low and then he went lower still where he goes to ultimately to be whipped, ultimately to go to a cross and just think about the decline from, I mean, uncreated heavens, creation, all the way stable serving others, beaten, betrayed and then beaten on a cross, sin of the world on your back. It's that dip. It's that going lower, lower, lower. And of course, it goes back up where he says, and then there's the, therefore God has rewarded him. Therefore God has exalted him to the name that is above every name. And so Paul is encouraging this church that he loves so much it's, he actually says in chapter four, verse one, he calls them his joy and his crown. Like he loves this church. And he's saying, I want you to have the same attitude. I want you to live the way that Jesus, that since if we have anything that unites us, it's one love, one spirit. It's, it's, like, it's like he's saying, you have the, the DNA of Christ. He's saying like, we, if there's any evidence that, that, that Jesus is at work inside of you, Make my joy complete, like go lower. And so I don't care how awesome you are today, like I don't care if you're like the coolest, maybe you are, maybe you are 5'9", 5'10", 5'11". 
<laughs> you know, last week, well, let's say this, bunny trail. Last week, uh, the very last person to leave, we call it church out, um, where we are all serving here and loading everything back up into our four trailers, which is really fun because we used to have two and now we have four, so that's good. And the very last person was, was Kenny Reed. And I saw him at the very end, uh, last person to go, and he's just walking around out front right out here, and he's just picking up trash. And I just thought, pretty amazing, because he's 6'7". I mean, he's the highest of the high at this church. You know what I'm saying? And he went that low. Anyway, that's just a thought, but I don't care how high you are, you know, how much the culture says, you're great. You're not as great as the uncreated God of the universe. And I don't care how low you go. You're not going as low as bearing the sins of the world on the cross. And I don't care how high, <laughs> you're never going back as high as he is. So his dip, he goes that high to that low. For us, we live in never that high. We wanna go low. And just like the father says, mm, therefore God, your God has exalted him to the highest place that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. There's a day where every servant act that you and I voluntarily choose to do on planet earth will be rewarded. In fact, Jesus said, every cup of cold water will be rewarded. And so Paul is looking at this church in Philippi that he loves so dearly. And he's giving them the example and he's saying, mm, let me tell you about what Jesus is like. Let me tell you about who he is. And so since, since he's what unites us and since you are in him, let, let there be this evidence or this fruit or this example and do what Jesus did, which that's become common in our culture, right? Because there's a famous book called In His Steps that was written about what would Jesus do? And then in 1990, a youth group made, started making those bracelets that said WWJD. And so everybody thinks of it as just kind of a cultural idea, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And asking the question is beautiful. Doing it is what matters. <laughs> and just reading this text this week, I'm like, do nothing out of selfish, nothing? I mean, I mean that's like so against our culture. Come on, Paul, nothing? Do nothing out of something? I mean, what about me time? You know what I mean? Like, woo, Philippians 2, it'll get you. I want everything, what? Do nothing, I mean, that's strong. There's a famous story about two boys. They were sitting at breakfast as their mom was making pancakes for them. And they began to fight and the mom said, what would Jesus do? And they both sat there silently and they both wanted the first pancake. And since they both sat there in silence, she said, well, I'll tell you what Jesus would do. Jesus would let your brother go first. And the older looked at the younger brother and said, great, you be Jesus. <laughs> and that's kind of what we do, right? It's kind of like, I just, I know, I know, I know, I know, but let someone else be Jesus, you know? Like, and here's, here's Paul. He's looking at you saying, all right, if it's just gritting your teeth and saying, I'm going to serve, chances are you're not really going to serve. Chances are you're probably not really going to be humble. Here's the idea. Open your eyes to the example of Jesus. 
What's the why? What, how, do, how? How do I get there? Paul, in the very definition of chapter two, is saying it, it, it's the example. It's making much of Jesus motivates the heart to then desire to go low. Because our culture doesn't say go low. Our culture says go high. Our culture says upward mobility. Our culture says not serve as many people as you can. Our culture says have as many people serve you as possible. Go up, go up, go up. And once you're up, then you know you've arrived, right? Because then you're looking, you're at the top and everybody's serving you and everybody's making you your clothes and making you your food and making sure that you have the right air conditioning, that you don't have to work too much and that you're okay and that you're awesome, which this reward that we're aiming for as Christ followers is not upward, it's downward. It's how low, it's how, how can I take steps downward? Hardest sermon to preach, harder to live. So challenging because it's not just counterculture, it's against our flesh. I mean, it's against, it's, a, it's, just, it's just the idea that we would find joy in going low and that Jesus is our example. So the most humble person to ever walk the earth also says that Jesus is the most joyful person to ever walk the earth. And somehow Jesus, contrary to our flesh and contrary to our culture, lived a life of joy and this humility is a secret into his joy. It's Jesus who put others above self. So challenging, so hard. So I want us just to even try, if you can memorize this phrase, we, I, I, when we planted the church, I wrote out 10 convictions. And these are not doctrinal convictions, these are cultural convictions. Meaning we've got on our website very clearly what our doctrinal convictions are. But ah, more, than, more than doctrinal for me, when the Lord put in my heart to plant a church, I had this dream of, of, of what it would be like, like what the culture would be like. And so just this phrase is in there, it's just, we serve selflessly like our humble king. And so we made these t-shirts that say, we serve selflessly like our humble king. Meaning it was, it's Philippians 2 that that was inspired by. It's, he is the humble king. He's our example. Our temptation is to be selfish. He calls us to be selfless. So though it is counter to my flesh, though it is counter to really my Western culture, it's not just America, I, it, to, 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 then I'm going to take on the Jesus culture uh, sorry, I can't say that anymore because it's the band, but not the band, but the idea the, that, that we serve selflessly. That's why I was so excited about, that's why I was so excited about 44 people saying, hey, I'll, I'll be there. Wait a minute, you're gonna, you're gonna take off work to work at Glow Camp to serve kids you don't know? Yeah, we serve selflessly like our humble king. It's part of who we are. In fact, a part of my DNA, I'm, I'm one with the other brothers and sisters in Christ, what it means to be a Christian, a part of what this one love, this one spirit, we're family, and, and what it means to be a part of this Christian family, what Charles, as Paul writes to the church in Philippi, is that this is in you. This is a part of who we are. Actually, when I was reading this text this week, I thought he sounded like a dad. Like, as a dad, I look at my kids. I got four kids, and so I'm like, this is... This is who we are. We take care of each other. We put others first. 
All right? Here's what that means. Let your sister sit in the front. <laughs> here's, what, here's what that means. Don't wake up your brother when he's sleeping. Here's what that means. You get it? Put others for, hey, stop screaming in your sister's ear, right? That's what, I don't know, maybe it's just because the season I'm in, I'm reading all things through my own lens, but I feel like that's Papa Paul right here. Like, hey, hey, guys, church, just put others before yourself. Hey, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, place others better than self. And so this is, in a sense, Papa Paul looking at the people that he loves, looking at what he calls his crown and his joy. And I think here we are a couple thousand years later, and we still take that same spirit from Paul, that same advice from him where he's going, hey, put others above self. We serve selflessly like our humble king. A couple ideas. Number one, just I want you to really walk away with that idea that we value others above yourselves. Like, try, and begin to ask the Lord, okay, God, heard the motivational talk. What is the practical way that you are inviting me, Holy Spirit, teach me, show me what step, how, how can I take a step downward? Your flesh just wants to take a step upward. Your culture tells you to take a step upward. In every commercial, okay, Holy Spirit, how can I take a step downward? How can I, how can I step into humility? And I'll tell you this, this is not just church world, not just in your business world, this is in your family. I mean, this is where, this is a great place to start. I, uh, Renata and I, we um, worked for 15 years at a church where, uh, in Colorado, and, and, I'll, and there's this panel where they were asking these couples that had been married for a certain amount of time, and they put them all up, and it was just, just this marriage panel, and they said, give us some wisdom, and so there was a couple that was, had been married for 10 years, and a couple had been married for 20 years, a couple had been married for 40 years, a couple had been married for 50 years. I think I skipped 30, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. And, when they, and the, the question was just, what's your advice to all of us about marriage? And the lady who had been married for over 50 years, she said, my advice is this, Philippians 2, she quoted this, the single most thing that has helped me in my marriage is Value others above self. Care about the interests of others over my own interests. And she said, that's the hardest, hardest verse in the Bible for me to live, but that's been the most crucial for me making it in my marriage for over 50 years. And so Renata and I, you know, we're like all, yeah. we didn't have iPhones back then, so we were putting it into our Palm Pilots. Um, <laughs> like, oh, that's good. We'll remember that one, right? So I want to just encourage you just to think, all right, okay, God, with my family, how, how, how do I live this? The second idea is this. I, just, I want you just to fall in love and meditate a little bit more on that verse 9, where you live for the exaltation of his name. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Just that idea. Imagine a reframe, whereas we try to have takeaways from Philippians 2, it's that we live for the exaltation of Christ's name. 
here's why I'm pointing that out. Because you live in a culture where the temptations always exalt your name. My, my name, my fame, me. And so to try to reframe to live for his name is a, is a challenge. And it's, it, it's worth just getting before God and saying, God, help me reframe. Help me think to where I live for your name. Because if you try to live for your own name, you'll be miserable. Like you will have the opposite of joy if your goal in life is your own name. Exaltation of self in the end is destruction. Exaltation of me in the end is miserable. But exaltation of the one who is worthy of exaltation, the worthy lamb of Jesus. And my life is about exalting his name. There, there is joy because it's true. So I was thinking this week too about this idea of, of humility and pride. And, and Peter comments on, I just wanna throw this in. It says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor or grace to the humble. So as we're talking about humility, which by the way, every preacher knows you don't write a book on pride and humility. No one buys them, right? Like, because nobody thinks they got a pride problem. So if you're sitting there thinking, I don't have a pride problem, well, listen in because nobody thinks they do, right? But here's the idea that Peter's pointing out. He's saying, okay, when it comes to this idea of humility, God opposes the proud, but gives grace or favor to the humble. So I just want to reframe it this way. Imagine what you hate. Imagine something that you oppose. And just imagine that God is that way towards your pride. And like, if you're to the level that you're filled, I mean, this is rocking my world. To the level that you're filled with pride, God's like (laughs) putting his hand out against you. To the level that you go, I'll walk in humility, he goes, grace, favor. And actually, if we want to know what God's like, we look at the face of Jesus. And when we just read through the gospels, look at the way that Jesus responds to the humble versus the proud. I mean, the humble ones, like, let me reach out. Let me just, I'm broken, I'm messed up. The woman who's, who's hurting, she's got the issue of blood. And she's like, if I just touch the hem of his garment, and that's a, Jesus, who touched me? There's something about the low place reaching high that he goes, mm, there's a miracle. The blind Bartimaeus, blind man crying out, I just seen God. And, and oh, that place of humility, it's all through the scriptures. Jesus seemed to deeply enjoy the humble. Everybody else is saying, push the kids aside, but Jesus is like, I'm about the kids. There's something about those humble kids. There's something about the sick, those people who need miracles. There's something about, he's attracted to the humble. He enjoys the humble. He's giving miracles to the humble. He's showing grace favor to the humble. And yet the religious leaders that had pride, just read the stories. Wasn't many people Jesus was a little bit more opposed to. And I just want you to play it out in your own brain, your own life. As you live, okay, God, help me to walk in humility. Jesus is my ultimate example. God, I don't want pride in me. I want your favor, not your opposition. (laughs) Silly example, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. All right. When I was a teenager, uh, I'm five years older than my younger brother, and uh, I always did poorly playing basketball with guys my own age, so I decided to play basketball with his friends, right? So I would play street ball with my brother, who's five years younger, and his friends, and we played 21. Well, I was, we, I, I was 
I was the same size as them, but I was still older. So I had the ability to play 21 a little bit better than them. And so I was, it was kind of cute and I, I kind of let different guys kind of win. And, but there was this one neighbor kid, his name is Bryce. There was, there was no, no cockier kid in the neighborhood than Bryce. And he wore the most expensive clothes and he thought he was all cool. He had the most expensive haircut. And uh, I, just, I just did not like him uh, at all. And so every single neighborhood kid got their chance to win except Bryce. I made sure he never won, all right? I hate to use an illustration where I'm like God, but for what it's worth. So here's the reality. You're Bryce. You're walking in pride. God's like, swat. He's like, get that out of here. Mm. You ain't never gonna win, right? No chance, all right? Here's what I want you to catch but you walk in humility and he goes, I want to help. You walk in humility and he goes, I want you to have a miracle. You walk in humility and he says, I want, I, you know what? I, I want the fullness of your gifts. I want, I want you to walk in all that. I, what's the contingency? What is it? What's the distinction mark? Pride or humble? What is it? Which one? I think we see it with Jesus at the very end. I think just right there on the cross, two thieves, one, if you are who you say you are, save us. Get down on the cross. Come on. Huh. Feel it? Pride. The other. Don't you fear God? Even when we're dying, we are receiving the just punishment for our crimes. But this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. I tell you, you'll be with me today. One proud, one humble, same level of righteousness. I mean, thieves, never done anything other than in a moment, in a dying breath. One, still filled with pride. Mm, going to my death. I don't, oh, oh, me, me, me. One going, not me, not me, you, you, you. And he goes, all right. I like that. I like that. I give grace to the humble, favor to the humble. You have a God that says, you walk in humility, it, it, it attracts. And it'll always be countercultural in our culture. So get ready. Because the thought is, if I walk in humility, then everybody will like me. Not always true. In our culture, it is so foreign, so weird. Most people so live for flesh that the idea of you walking in humility will be like, that's so strange. So weird. Some people will see Jesus and go, yes. Some people just think you're off until one day. Oftentimes they'll go, wow. Later on, tell me, why do you care about me? Why do you put me above yourself? The number one way we'll see people come to know Jesus is you being Jesus out there. You being Jesus, whatever job, whatever school, whatever college, wherever you're at, and putting the spotlight on others. I'll just close with this. Embarrassing, but true. I was one of the drama nerds in high school. And so there's like all this drama stuff back here. They do these plays and I get all excited because I like got great memories. I'm like, oh, you know, like I just love, I love all of it. I love the props and the scripts and the set. And I love all that because mm, when you don't make the basketball team, you just go with drama. So uh, <laughs> in many ways, I'm still living that, but uh, <laughs> A little bit truth of that. So, um, just kidding. But I'll never forget, you know, like 
in, in my drama years, I was, I loved the, uh, I loved like the musicals and I had, my drama teacher was amazing. Her name was Rosemary Martinez, right? And uh, she and I got along really well. She really liked me, but I frequently got in trouble because I had figured out that in the productions, all I had to do was in the moment where I was supposed to be paying attention to the other person who was up here, I could be silly, I could be goofy, and I could get all these people right here to be laughing at me. And she called it upstaging. And she'd be like, David, I've told you again and again, stop upstaging. And I couldn't get in my brain how it was wrong because in my brain, I just thought, I'm making the show better. And she would just always say, stop upstaging, stop upstaging. And I was like, and I would say, Ms. Martinez, I'm making it better. And she's like, no, you're taking the attention off them. I'm like, making it better, you know, like. <laughs> Here's the reality. All of us have that fleshly, like, boom, put the spotlight on me. If, let, let people look at me. Here's what I want to tell you. If we will go low, put the spotlight on others, be like Jesus. God, help me take steps lower. Get underneath. How can I help lift them up? Not just look to my own interests, but look to the interests of others. Then you, like Paul requests, can follow Jesus' example and be a Philippians 2 attitude, a Philippians 2 mindset. And we too will be able to start helping our city because we serve humbly. We serve selflessly like our humble king. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory at radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radian Church, please click Give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radian Church? Check out radianintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radian Church Podcast.